Good evening, good morning, good afternoon to whoever and whenever you're listening to this. Y'all know I'm your host, Tavares Wilson of Last Word Productions. As you all know by now, I always get the last word. Now, let's get off straight into it, man. We're getting into some NBA news early and often. First and foremost, we got to talk about the big game Luka Doncic had against the New York Knicks. <clears throat> and first and foremost, I want to show everybody happy holidays. Hope y'all enjoyed your time with your family and loved ones. Always great to have that. And I hope everyone is safe and sound. Now, with that being said, let's get off into this Luka Doncic game. Luka posted a stat line because of the 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. First stat line to ever be posted of such matters. Dude played absolutely lights out, guys. He was amazing, spectacular, shot better than 50% from the field. Made over 85% of his free throws. Shot the ball well the entirety of the night. And simply put, he single-handedly carried the, the Mavs to that win. No doubt in my mind about that. Amazing young player, but this is where the question comes in. Is Luka Doncic the MVP frontrunner right now, and can he sustain this high-level of play that he's been playing at thus far? Now, me, personally, to answer the second question first, I don't believe in putting limitations on NBA professional players. This dude has played basketball his entire life. We're talking about a guy who was a teenager playing against older men in a different... He has a different part of the world, and yes... They're not as talented as the NBA players as we used to see and that we're accustomed to. But at the end of the day, when you're a kid playing in a grown man's league, a professional grown man's league at that, you have to take that with a different look and a different approach because that means you have experience against older professional players, regardless of what region of the world they are from and what they're playing in. And with that being said, there isn't anything suggesting that Luka can't sustain the level of play he's playing at this season thus far. I mean, we, the dude has been spectacular since he stepped into the league. This is a dude that's a walking 28-8 and eight guy. Like, that's just him. You know, he can give you 25 to 30 points a night with ease almost. Give you 7-8 rebounds. Give you 8-9 to nine to 10 assists. That's just who he is. It's his play style. And being the fact that he has the ball as much as he has it, it'll be hard to not post the stat line he posts on a consistent basis, on a nightly basis, I should say. So I believe the play is sustainable. However, I believe the MVP, MVP case is a different case entirely. Because one, the MVP case, it equates and also factor in how effective you are to your team. Meaning, how good is your team? And... Right now, the Mavericks are the seventh seed in 19-16. Not horrible, but MVPs, guys like Jason Tatum, Giannis, even Nikola Jokic, you can argue and have cases over him because, simply put, the teams are just simply doing better and they're putting up similar numbers, if not better numbers in terms of the impact on the team and getting others chances to create their own looks and get into more rhythms. And I said for the longest, that's, to me personally, I believe that's Luka's biggest weakness. He cannot play without the ball. So that's going to hurt his cases for not only his team getting better and playing better, but that's going to hurt his cases for, simply put, just 
not being the MVP talks because your team would never truly exceed or get better around you because you have the ball so much and you're controlling the flow, the, the offense, the tempo, etc. when other players have to be able to get involved as well. That's just how basketball works. When guys don't get a feel for the game, a feel for the ball, to get a shot going up, just spotting up and shooting, it's going to be hard for them to get in the rhythm to add to what is happening or to impact the game truly. Now, with all that being said, I still don't believe Luka has an argument to be a top three MVP candidate. He's, he's easily a top five MVP candidate, no doubt in my mind about that. But at the end of the day, I don't see him beating out the likes of Jason Tatum. Uh, I don't see him being out the likes of even even someone like KD who's having a career year from shooting percentages wise and the turnaround the Nets are having. So it's like you have to factor all those things in along with a Giannis who just posted a 45 and 22 stat line. Like these, these are guys and this is a team that simply put they're playing otherworldly, a lot of these guys. And you have to take these things just as serious as you're taking him. Now, with all that being said, again, I have zero doubt that Luku is in the conversation. But simply put, he just, it's hard to factor in him being over those other guys. So I can't call him a front runner or a, a favorite right now. I think he's top three, top five candidate, but I can't consider him a favorite. Now, with all that being said, let's get off into some other NBA news. Thus far in the NBA season, Christmas Day games came and rose. Zion Williamson is here, ladies and gentlemen. I've been on this Zion Williamson train for quite some time. I've told you all this. I've said this multiple times. This dude is legit. This dude is for real. I've said this multiple times. As soon as he gets healthy, he can stay healthy. Because I never questioned the play at all, ever. I always thought this dude had a chance to be special, and he's proving exactly that. He dropped a career high the other night with 43 points against the, excuse me, against the Minnesota Timberwolves, and he dropped a franchise series high. I believe it was 28 points in one half. Oh, not not one half, but um, it was. I believe it was 33 points in one half or a quarter, something along those lines. But he set a record for amounts, amount of points scored in a single half for any Pelican in the history of the, of the franchise. And the dude was lights out. That's all I got to say. He was lights out, ladies and gentlemen. He looked fantastic. He, he's shooting the ball better, which is a good sign. He's getting more comfortable. You can tell he's adjusting more to the game itself. And just all in all, man, he's... He's just playing with confidence right now. He seems virtually unstoppable. Like, we're talking about a guy who is not only getting his legs back under him because of all the injuries and stuff, so he had to get his wind and stamina back. But we're talking about a guy who's starting to showcase his full bag and, and actually get into a real rhythm that will be a problem for this league. And I've said this on multiple occasions. Zion Williamson is still this great prospect, great player that... I thought he was going to be. I never once doubted his ability. It was always, 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 could he stay healthy? Could he maintain and play at the weight he's at? 
And so far, he's, he's doing a damn good job at it. If I have to say so myself, I mean, right now, the dude is giving you what? He's, he's pretty much averaging 26 points a game on almost five assists and seven rebounds and shooting almost 61% from the field while shooting 37% from three. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, there's not much more you can ask for him to do. I mean, he's... I mean, the only, the only knock that people have had on him is that he's not shooting the ball enough, which, I mean... He's never been a volume shooter, so that's that's never been him. But I can understand why people want him to shoot the ball more. I mean, he's arguably your best player. In some games, he only takes 10, 12 shots. And he needs to shoot more than that. I completely agree. He needs to always be in that 15, 18 epsilon range. I'm hitting 20 on a nightly basis if he can. So I have no issue with that. My only issue came in when he simply put couldn't maintain his weight. I was questioning whether or not he needed to lose some dramatic weight and then whether or not how would that impact his game? Can he still play his kind of style of basketball? Long story short, ladies and gentlemen, he's been this weight almost his entire career. He's always been a, been a heavier dude. He's always been a bigger body. This is something he's used to. It's just about maintaining and controlling himself. And I think he can and will do that. And he's done that thus far this season. Despite the fact he's had a few hiccups here and there. The dude, simply put, is playing at, at a high level right now. It's, it's just no other way to describe it. Yes, I think he missed about eight games this year. No one is chipping off eight games in the NBA. It's 82 games in total. This isn't the NFL. It's, it's plenty of games to be played. The dude is playing lights out. Period point blank. He's he's looked fantastic. And right now the Pelicans, I believe, are the one seed out west. And if the way they're looking, they have a legitimate shot to be contending in the NBA championship this season. Because they have all the pieces around them. I mean, a healthy Brandon Ingram is one of the more underrated players in our league, one of the better underrated scorers. I think CJ McCollum is as good as it gets as a scoring guard in terms of him being a second and third scoring option. I think they have a solid bench. I think they need to, I think they need to find a role for Dyson Daniels a little more. But outside of that, with Valentunas, with um uh, um Ho uh Avarone, I forgot how to say his name, the point, the backup point guard. The, the the dudes, they have a pretty good bench. They have a pretty good bench. They got good big men. Valentunas and Jackson Hayes, I think, are good. I think Jackson Hayes runs the floor well. He's athletic, rebounds well. He's a good enough rim protector. They got a good solid overall roster around this guy to make it far. Because I, I think they, the only, the only thing that may be their downside is the defensive end. Can they stop enough players? Or can they get enough stops? consecutively to actually make a difference in winning and losing the game. That's the only thing. I'm, I'm not worried about them scoring the ball. They have plenty of scores. It's whether or not they can get guys to simply put in position to just make the right plays on the defensive end and just downright make the plays that's needed to win games. I, I have zero issue or zero doubt that they can do that on the defensive end. It's the defensive end that concerns me. Now, all that being said, let's go back out east, and we got to talk about the Nets. Said earlier, KD is having possibly one of the better careers, seasons of his career. Kyrie Irving's presence back, 
This team has looked completely different. The coaching is getting better. And just simply put, this team just looks better. I mean, they're they're playing better. Ben Simmons has a role now, which he's starting to grow into a little bit more game by game. He's looking more confident. And this is a team that if they can put it all together, this may be the year where they can actually finally contend for a title. And I've said this before, multiple occasions. I didn't believe in this Nets team to be anything. They made they have they have a legit shot to prove me wrong this year. I've doubted them for three years now since they assembled this team. The first year you could chalk up as you know KD was hurt. Second year, it they basically just flopped with injuries. Third year, just front office and coaching issues, player issues, whatever you want to name, it was just issues. This may be the year. This may be the year. And with that being said, if they can't win it this year, I think they blow it up. I think it's I think I think Kyrie gets traded. I think Ben Simmons I don't think they extend him again because I, I do believe he has an extension coming up or he'll be uh Due for one sooner than later. And I think Seth Curry, all those other guys, I think a lot of those guys walk. I think it, I think they'll blow it up. I think the only real constant piece that they'll keep is Kevin Durant. But everyone else, I think they're liable to be gone. As if they cannot work it out this season. If, they, if it can't work out this season, I don't see how you can keep the band together expecting it to work. I just don't see it. Now, with all that being said, I want to get off into some NFL news, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, nothing really much interests me in the NBA, to be honest with you. Trey Young is having his tip potentials, basically, with the Hawks. It's been reports saying he may request a trade. I don't put... I'm taking that with a grain of salt. If they move on from Trey Young, they're going to have to get a boatload of picks and players, because that's, that's going to be crazy. It was just in the Eastern Conference Finals, what, two years ago? So that's going to be kind of ridiculous. And to top that all off, the Lakers on Le- the Lakers with LeBron and Russell Westbrook in the game, they're reportedly not going to make any moves for the roster, which is crazy to me. And the reason being for that is because they don't want to put themselves in a quote-unquote deeper hole after what they did getting Russell Westbrook. If they believe that's the best course of action for them, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing we can do about it. I don't agree with it personally, but hey, that's why I said let's move on to the NBA news, because other, not NBA, but NFL news, because other news sorts and sites, but the big stories, they're not really making sense to me from a basketball perspective. But let's get off into the NFL news, man. So as we all know, by now, if you haven't heard by now, let's talk about it. Tua Tagovailoa has suffered yet again another concussion. Hate to see it had to be the case again. When I heard he went in concussion protocol, I was hoping that it was just going to be uh, he was in the protocol because he had headaches or something like that. Didn't want to hear that he had another concussion yet again, and that's what it is. He has a concussion, and... First and foremost, before we get into anything, I want to say this. 
I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he recovers well and he has no long-term effects or any traumatic stress causes or side effects from this at all down the line. This, at the end of the day, we got to understand something. This dude is a human being for anything else. He's a father, he's a husband, a son, etc. Like, he's loved by a lot of people. He, he doesn't need to be not in tip-top shape once his, he decides to hang it all up. He needs to be at his best on and off the field for the people he he loves and that love him. Now, with that being said, I'm here to tell you all now, I'm not here to tell Tua what to do. I'm not here to tell the Dolphins what to do. I'm here to give my opinion and what I believe is the best course of action for both parties. That's all I'm here to do. I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit and tell y'all, don't express your opinion on a matter when the internet is a thing and people can say whatever the hell they please. If you believe Tua should retire, then that's your opinion. If you believe he should keep playing if he wants, then that's your opinion. At the end of the day, we all are entitled to say whatever we believe to be our truth, but we have to also understand that just because we believe something to be the case and to be the truth does not mean someone else believes that's to be the case or to be the truth. Just like how we all can believe Tool needs to retire, Tool himself is the last person to make that decision. He may want to play until his brains are no longer ever be the same, until they scrambled egg mushed. I don't know. That's his choice and solely his choice. I'm not here to tell him what to do or how to go about it. But what I am here to say is, as a fan of Tua, as a fan of Tua, the player and the man, because again, a lot of people have crowned me a Tua hater because I've been critical of him. I just tell what I see. I'm not going to sit here and lie to myself because it's not what you want to hear. I'm going to tell exactly what I see. And what I've seen from Tua this past month has been horrible. I mean, you I can, you can give him the Bills game. Yes, you played good against the Bills. You lost. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, it was good to see him play well, but at the end of the day, you lost. You finished the month 0-4. <laughs> like, there is no more victories anymore. You didn't put this team together to feel good about losing. Regardless if you win, regardless if you lose by 30 or 3, you lost. You went out of got Bradley Chubb because you felt like you was the, that one piece away from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Now you may not be a playoff team. There's no other way to look at this season other than a complete failure. No other way. No other way at all. I mean, if, if we're being honest with ourselves, that's what it is. But with all that being said, let me get back to the topic at hand. Tua Tagovailoa, my personal opinion, if you ask me, which again, that's what we're here doing, we're giving our opinions, our thoughts, of what we believe, I believe we should hang it up. I think it's not worth it, man. I said this on my TikTok, if you guys follow me on there, you will know, I said, it's things bigger than football. Like I said, two minutes ago, he's a husband, has a wife, family, a child now, he's a son, like he has a brother who plays in college who looks up, he, he has so many people that care about him and want to see him be well, healthily, healthy, in the health regard, I should say, I said that terribly wrong, but it's just not worth it 
to the point where he should risk his own health to play a game. It's, it's just not worth it. If you're asking me, should he hang it up? I say yes. You have nothing to prove to no one. You're a millionaire. You have created a generational wealth opportunity for your family. You have a son. I believe he has a son. Yes, I believe he does have a son. If I'm, if I'm wrong about that, my apologies. But he has a child. You have a wife. Let it go, bro. Live your life while you still have your health and move on. No one would judge you. No one judged Andrew Luck, even though fans were upset because he retired abruptly. They understood. No one judged Cam Chancellor when he retired abruptly because of the neck injuries. They understood. Even Dolphins fans with Issa Abdul Caduce, the old safety we had. No one judged him when he retired with neck injuries. They understood. Same thing with Luke Kuechly. He suffered three concussions in one season. Retired in his prime. Was playing. He was easily the best linebacker in football. They understood. Same thing with Patrick Willis. They understood. It's a number of examples that can be used. At the end of the day, you have to choose your health before anything else. I mean, you could look at any position. It's happened to multiple positions. Let it go. You have nothing to prove to anyone else. You, you don't even have anything to prove to yourself. You've accomplished the goal you sought out. You wanted to be an NFL quarterback. You became that. And then at certain points of your career, you were a damn good one. Let it go. It's all right. It's okay to say that, you know, I tried, I accomplished my goal, and it just didn't work out in the long run. It's okay to say that, bro. It's okay. Let it go. That's all I'm saying, people. I'm not telling the man what to do. I'm giving my, as as someone, if I was speaking from a perspective of love on a family member I seen doing those things, or even if I was in that situation, I would hang it up. Because it's not worth it. I have too much to lose. It's too much on the line. Just let it go. Like, it's, it's nothing else to gain. I'm not one of these Dolphins fans that's going to sit up here and tell you all that you shouldn't care about your players' safety or their health. No, hell no. Forget that. I care about this dude going home the same when he came in the building. Safe and sound. If that is in jeopardy, he should let it go. Now again, that's not my choice nor decision because he is a grown man that will make his own decisions. That is fine. If Tua chooses to hang it up or not, that's strictly on him, his family, and his doctors. That's their choice to be made. We have no say-so in that whatsoever. But at the end of the day, it will be to me, in my personal opinion, it would be morally wrong for me to sit here and tell you all that in good consciousness, I can watch him play on Sundays from this point on and not be worried or not be troubled by the fact that this guy continuously trots out on the football field and he's one hit away, one injury away from having severe brain damage 
or another severe injury that could possibly jeopardize his life. I, in good conscience, cannot sit here and tell you all that. I can't, I can't do that. And what I believe is two things, and I'm going to make this final point. I believe there are two ways the Dolphins can approach this. And this is, this is beyond football. One, Stephen Ross actually does his job, him and Chris Greer. And by the way, if the Dolphins don't make the playoffs this year, Chris Greer, ladies and gentlemen, book it right now, Chris Greer is fired. I don't, I don't give a shit if two is hurt. If they miss the playoffs this season, Chris Greer is fired. Y'all, please, book that right now. He's fired. He's gone. With that being said, one, Stephen Ross, he goes to tour, he goes to the Tagovailoa family and let them know this straight up. Listen, because if they had any ounce of morality in them, this would be the case. They go and say, listen, I cannot in good consciousness allow your son to risk his life on my watch and on my team for the rest of his career. If he wants to go out and he wants to continuously do this to himself and take this brutal onslaught of a beating he has been taking his entire football career. Because remember, ladies and gentlemen, we I pointed out last episode, Tua has never been a healthy quarterback ever. Even going back to high school, he's always dealt with injuries. He's never played a full season of football in his football career. Not even once. I tell them straight up, I'm Stephen Ross. You all can do that elsewhere, but he would not do it here. I cannot in good consciousness allow him to risk his health and his well-being for this game and for a job. I can't do it. Either do that or two is the second option. They just, they go to him, let him know, it's time to hang it up, bro. We're moving on. If you, if you want to continuously play, which basically are the same ideas, but if you want to continuously play, fine, we'll give you that. One is just a moral approach, one is a business approach. Fine, we'll allow you to play, but you won't do it here. We have a roster that's ready to win right now. You, simply put, are not ready to compete for the long haul of an NFL brutal season because we see it, we've seen it for three years now. You can't stay healthy, you can't stay upright. You're one hit away always from being a two to three game absence. Now you can say that for any quarterback in the league, but others are more apparent than others, bro. Like, yes, Joe Burrow has his injury issues, but whenever Joe Burrow gets hit, no one is holding their breath. Whenever Tua lands, or he gets tackled, we're always hoping he's okay. No one is holding their breath after seeing Kirk Cousins get hit or Justin Herbert. With Tua, it's like, man, is he gonna get up? Like, you, you can't sit there and worry about that all the time with your starting quarterback. It can't, that cannot be the case. That is the one position in football that cannot be continuously hurt. And he's been continuously hurt since he's been in the league. That's just what it is. And if I'm the Miami Dolphins, that leaves you with only three options, bro. It leaves you with three options. One of the options I just think is downright not possible at this point, but it's still an option. Option one, 
You pick up his fifth year option and you give him one last ride to see what the hell exactly is going to play out with this guy. What what is going to happen? Option two, which I think is the least likely of both these options. Well, when I say least likely, I mean a point one percent that it would have happened. You give him an extension. You give him a, a $180 million, $200 million contract, which that's the ballpark and that's the pay range for these quarterbacks now. Sign him to a long-term deal worth about that much for an eight-year length, whatever the case may be. And you, you hope for the best. Not even a long run with him for real. Or option three, which I believe is a realistic option, and I know a lot of people won't want to hear it, because again, a lot of people, for whatever reason, they want to see this guy just turn into the savior of this franchise, which we all want to see. But at this point, let's just be honest. He's he's not that. He's just not. He, he's not. I mean, as much as I want to be wrong about that, as much as I wanted to to prove me wrong about that this season, he hasn't. He. I'm not impressed by you doing well against the Bears and the Browns. I mean, teams that can combine for six wins or five wins. I'm not impressed by that. I'm not impressed by you beating the Lions, who at that point were easily the worst defense in the league. I'm not impressed by that. He, simply put, will be moved on from. Simply put, you go find another guy. Because I tell people this all the time. This roster's too talented to not only be in the playoffs, but they're too talented to not at least win a playoff game or two, possibly. I mean, just, what else? Let me, let me just ask this question for the general public. How much more do people believe they can do for him in order to put him in the best position to succeed? They went and revamped the offensive line. They wanted to go, everyone wanted to go get Teron Armstead. You got Teron Armstead. Has he missed a game here and there? Yes. But he's played majority of this damn season. You went and got Carter Williams, an approved center. First year center, a few bad snaps here and there. But for the most part, for my money, he has easily been your most consistent and maybe your best offensive lineman, easily. Then after that, Brandon Shell has been a an actual welcoming surprise that you're a right tackle position and for my money he's been better than Austin Jackson I don't give a shit how people feel about that statement it's the truth turn the film on and watch it he consistently goes one on one against a lot of good pass rushers and he holds his own I'm not saying he wins every rep but he holds his own and you look at the weapons they've added around. He has he easily has the best receiver duel in the league. I don't think that's even debatable. I think Tyreek Hill arguably has an argument to be the top receiver in this league, and Jalen Waddle is a top 15 receiver. No other team in the league can say that. Not a singular other team. No one. AJ Brown, he doesn't have an argument to be the best receiver. He doesn't. He may he has an argument made to be top five, but to, but the best? No. Devonta Smith. I don't think he's top 15. Top 20, maybe. But I don't think 15. I mean, what are receiver duos you want to name? I mean, it's just... At the end of the day, bro, he has an improved offensive line. 
He has the, the two elite or really damn one elite, one really damn good receiver. He has a really talented tight end who in Mike McDaniel is not getting used for, but I will get into that in a bit. He has a, a good enough backfield with Mozart, with Mozart and Jeff Wilson. I think those are two capable running backs, as we've seen. And you have a you have a defense who hasn't been perfect by any means. But they've been good enough to win almost every game you've lost. There isn't a single game where we just got the brakes beat off of us because the defense couldn't stop anyone. They are holding opponents to field goals. They're not getting off the field. They're giving up yards. I will admit that. But a lot of that also comes with the fact that the offense is just sputtering out of control right now. Like, they look bad a lot of weeks. I mean, even, listen, if you want to get to this, the, the benefit of the doubt because he played with a concussion or you bleed, listen, man, that's cool. At the end of the day, he threw three interceptions and three straight possessions. He did. He did that. There's no rewriting that. You can put an asterisk there if you want to. He's looked bad in December this entire month outside of one damn game. He's looked bad in other Decembers and January games. He's played bad in other games where picks just weren't caught. The Pittsburgh game, we counted four draft picks he had thrown. At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not saying him giving him the concussion excuse as if that's the only time we've ever seen him make terrible throws and reads. He's done it plenty through his career. So I'm not giving him that. I know that may sound harsh to a lot of you all, but that's just the truth. I'm not giving him that. At the end of the day, he has to be better. And he hasn't been. So therefore, to me, in my opinion, do you want to sit here and waste another year where you have an aging roster now at this point? Because let's be honest, we're not a young chicken duck hatching roster anymore. A lot of our best players are in their primes right now. Do you want to continuously waste another year on a guy that you're not sure about at the quarterback position going on, to, going on for four years? And my answer to that, no. If I got a roster I can win now, and if I know I can go get another quarterback that's better, I'm going to get another quarterback that's better. It's just that simple. At the end of the day, I think the Dolphins' best option and most realistic option is to pick up the fifth-year option and let it ride out one last season. I think that's their best option. I think that's realistically their only option because you trade away all your draft assets. You have no draft picks. Uh, you had the tampering thing, which we're going to get into in a bit. And also, to top all that off, you really ain't got no cap money. So, even if you do go out and trade for, let's say, Lamar Jackson, you sign him to an extension, you strap for cash for maybe the next two, three, four seasons. Which I'm not really... Which I'm not really... Um, tripping on because at the end of the day you got a good roster right now if you, if you had a quarterback you're a Super Bowl contender so I'm not really too much honed in on the cap situation like how other people are I don't believe in the cap situation in the field I mean we've seen the Saints being like negative 80 and they went out and signed plenty of, of free agencies like Tyron Matthew so it's I'm not worried about the cap situation ladies and gentlemen I'm not but at the end of the day we can't ignore the reality of the situation we're in as a team and if I'm Steven Ross, I think the best course of action, me personally, 
I think is to go get another guy. But the most realistic thing, I think, is to pick up his fifth year option. I think that's what's going to happen. There's no way in hell they signed him to an extension, though. I'm telling you all that now. You'll be a damn fool to sign this guy to an extension when his play on the field is inconsistent and he can't stay healthy. That'll be fools go written all over, all over. Now, with that being said, let me get off into the other problem with the Miami Dolphins right now. First and foremost, I said this already, guys, and I'm going to say it again. If the Dolphins, you know what, scratch that. If the Dolphins even make the playoffs and they go one and done, Chris Grant needs to be fired. If they don't make the playoffs at all, he needs to not only be fired, but he needs to be banned for coming back to the stadium. This guy has ruined this franchise for too long and put them in too many lose situations and drafted poorly and made the poor decisions in free agency far too often. I know people going to say, oh, he went and got Tyreek Hill. He drafted Jalen Waddle. He drafted Jalen Phillips. He drafted Christian Wilkins. Listen, he also drafted Noah Igbenogany. He also drafted Austin Jackson. He also drafted Leontay Carew. He also drafted Devontae Parker. He also drafted Jarvis Landry, who wasn't a bad player, but you gave him up for nothing. And then you can't find another good receiver for another three years, four years after that. He also gave up Mika Fitzpatrick, who wasn't a good a bad player, but you couldn't find another replacement safety for another two, three years. You traded a top five safety and the best slot receiver in the game at the time to replace them with nothing for three years. But I'm supposed to feel good and confident in this guy to make the decisions about replacing anyone. They went back and, re- and regrouped the linebacker room that we've had for the past three years and who has not been good, thought it was going to change, and then did it. They brought back a defensive coordinator who got his job duty stripped for him last season by the head coach and thought that was a good idea. Now look at the defense. It's worse than it's been in the last five years. And on top of all that, the free agent signings have just not been good. You went out and got Bradley Chubb. What has he done since you traded for him? You already paid him $100 million. You went out and got Landon Roberts. What is he? You signed Kyle Vannoy. He's going after the season. Shaq Lawson, same thing. Eric Flowers, same thing. I mean, at some point, ladies and gentlemen, we have to see that they're way more bad than good. I mean, we're talking about a guy who in one draft missed on three first-round picks in one draft. That tells me all I need to know about this guy. He doesn't have a clue on what the hell he's doing. It's time to to hit the door. And if Steven Ross cannot see that, then boy, listen here. God help us, man. Because it's going to be another long, 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 long decade. We're looking at maybe one of the most dysfunctional and maybe the most dysfunctional front office in all of football right behind the commanders. Because Dan Schneider is just, what he got going on over there is an absolute, it's just, it's just a train wreck. Even though their team right now is better. The front office is an absolute joke. But damn it, at least they win in football games. (laughs) 
At least they would. At least they doing that. We've lost four straight games, maybe five this coming season. I mean Sunday. At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to just say this. This team is exactly who we always knew they were. Deep down inside, we knew we couldn't be too comfortable for too long with who this team is. They're the same Dolphins. They're the same Dolphins we, we love but hate. They're the same exact team. And with that being said, I just don't know at this point how to feel good about their chances to just not make the playoffs, but to beat anyone. I, I, I just don't I just don't know how to feel good about that. Mike McDaniel, only thing I'm gonna say about Mike McDaniel is this. He has to be better at managing games. His play calling, he gets away from the run way too much. He tries to be overly aggressive for whatever God reason. He's obviously stuck up his own ass because at the end of the day, when something's working, you just keep doing it, man. Don't go away from it. But I get it. He's a young coach. He's innovative. That doesn't excuse him to make piss-poor judgment plays and judgment calls. Football isn't a hard game, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going for the first-year coaching excuse. He's been around football his entire life. It doesn't take a rocket science or a 20-year veteran experienced coach to know to challenge an obvious drop or to run the ball when you're averaging eight, nine yards a carry. It doesn't take a rocket science to figure that out. So no, I'm not giving him that. You all can give him that excuse. I'm not giving him nothing. I'm not giving him that. He has to be better. In, in my eyes, he has another year until you move on. He, hell, you may move on this upcoming season because Sean Payton is back and ready to coach. Who knows? But as we all know, Sean Payton is a huge tour guy. So if you bring in Sean Payton, you're more than likely not only moving on from McDaniel, you're moving on from Chris Greer and Tua. That's just how I see it. Because Chris Greer is the one that drafted Tua. You think Sean Payton is going to trust a GM who has his who can't get it right at all at the position? The same GM that drafted Tannehill and Tua? You all think Sean Payton is going to want to work with that? I guarantee you Stephen Ross will fire Chris Greer, especially if it meant bringing in Sean Payton and his crew. I guarantee that. And which, let me say this, I'll be the first to say it. I have zero issue with it. I know there's other Dolphins fans out there that's like, oh, you got to give Chris Greer, I mean, not Chris Greer, Mike McDaniel chances only. Screw that. If you have a chance to get better at the position now, get better. Same thing I said about Deshaun Watson and Tua. Yeah, I know Watson hasn't looked good this year. The dude hasn't played in two years, people. <laughs> it's going to take time to get back in rhythm. Tua, on the other hand, hasn't looked good ever. He's looked good for six weeks against bad teams. whoop the damn do. <laughs> I mean, the Lions and the Bears make any mediocre quarterback look good. Let's be honest here. And this is the same Bears team we played without their best defensive player after the trade of Roquan Smith. I'm just saying, people, it's not hard. But at the end of the day, they have to be better, man. And my apologies for that long rant. Let me go on to the, um, 
Thursday night football game prediction. We got the Cowboys against the Tennessee Titans tonight. I believe Joshua Dawes will be making his start. I know Malik Willis was supposed to start. I'm not exactly sure what happened there. I don't know if he got injured or he just got benched. Whatever the case may be, Malik Willis is the starting. Joshua Dobbs is. And when I tell him, of course, he's out with injury. I think the, the Dallas Cowboys absolutely smoked the Tennessee Titans tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not even lying to you. I think they have zero chance in hell of beating them. The only hope is Derrick Henry, as he is a lot of weeks. But without the factor of a pass game, I don't see why Dallas just doesn't load the box and dare them to beat them over the top. But that's just me. But let's get off into the fan Q&A, man. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you all want to ask me questions, I post my fan Q&A questions on YouTube and also on <clears throat> excuse me, Facebook every Monday. So check it out there, Last Word Productions. All right, let's get into it. So this first question comes from Ryan Burgess. He said, should Tua retire? I went about this whole episode saying this, man. Tua, in my personal opinion, should let it go. I think he should. Again, at the end of the day, not my decision, not any of our decisions. It's his decision. It's his family's decisions. It's the doctor's decision. Whether he retires or not is, at the end of the day, on him. It is. Do I believe he should? I believe it should be strongly considered, and I believe he should. Because at the end of the day, one thing about the human body, it doesn't age gracefully. When you start to get banged up, you start to age, it catches up. It doesn't get better. So, my personal opinion, you should hang it up. Same person, Ryan, he asked, should the Seahawks pay Geno Smith or look for someone in the draft? Uh, it's kind of tough to say. I think I think you franchise Gino. I think you give him a franchise tag. And I think you uh you look for someone for the season after or something like that. But being the fact that the Seahawks have the the Broncos pick, and it's gonna be a high pick. I don't know if you can miss out one of these young possible come up and coming quarterbacks, man. Like it's if they have a chance to get like a Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, something like that, I don't see how in the hell, or even CJ Stroud, I don't see how the hell you don't get one of them if you have a chance to. I, I just don't see how. I mean, Geno Smith is what, 33, 34 years old? I mean, how many more years do you really think he can stay in the level of place playing that? Another six, five? You need a franchise guy. And one of those guys have a chance to be that. I, I think you, I think, listen, I really do believe you You paid, you franchise tag, you know. I think you draft one of those guys if you can. Let them, you feel me, mold and build around him. Matter of fact, they'll be a perfect um, uh, scenario for the, the quarterback out of Florida. I think they what, Anthony Johnson or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. But... Let a guy play behind Gino for a year, maybe two, build around that, and go from there. I think that's their best course of option. Action, I should say. This next question comes from Rich Prince. 
What happened to Nick Foles' success as a quarterback since the Super Bowl? Well, simply put, Nick Foles isn't in the, the system he stars in. Nick Foles started an RPO system that the Eagles ran for him, and he ran pretty goddamn well. Now, not so much. Because he's never been a, a, a gunner kind of quarterback, a gunslinger. He's always been a guy who can make that one read and hit it. It's a lot like Tua. Like, that's him. Now that he can't do that, when he gets off that first read, and you ask him to actually dip, like dissect the defense each play, it's kind of hard for him because that's not what he's good at. His next question comes from Joey Kendrick. What do y'all think about Sam Donald? Should the Panthers look for a quarterback in the draft and let him go and sit, see what Matt Carell can do? Uh, I think the Panthers, regardless of who on their roster, are going to look for another quarterback as they should. But in my personal opinion, it doesn't matter who it feels, whether it's Sam Darnold or Matt Carell. They're not making the playoffs, and they're a roster that's, that has issues, but the quarterback position is definitely the biggest one. They got to go get a young guy. That's, that's just what it is for me. Next question comes from Stephen Crocker. Why in the hell is Nathan Nathaniel Hackett, excuse me, getting all the blame for Russell Wilson being a clear problem with that team? He can't bitch him because his contract so he's supposed to do. Well, my man, I agree. Russell Wilson is a huge problem, but Nathaniel Hackett wasn't exactly helping either. We got to understand something. Nathaniel Hackett was not only stripped of his coaching duties and play calling duties, this dude didn't even control time management anymore. They literally took everything from him that a head coach was. And if he can't even do that, then why the hell are you here? <laughs> like, it's period. Like, that's just it for me. Like, he, he wasn't doing his job. And I'm not and I'm not saying that to to uh to basically clear Russell Wilson of all dude like blame, because he's been horrible. But the thing Hackett wasn't good either. And this next question comes from Ace Peter. He just says Tua needs to sit down somewhere. And I agree, he does. But that's it for the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for your time once again. Thank you all for tuning in to the show. Y'all be sure to like, subscribe on YouTube, Last Word Productions. Be sure to follow me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Last Word Productions. I'll see y'all in the next one, man. Y'all stay blessed and happy holidays.